morning I'd like to share with you out of this chapter that focuses on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Some actually say it's the most important chapter in the entire Bible. Now, I don't know uh, about that, if there is such a chapter for the church, but, you know, as I was going through this in my devotions recently, I sensed the Lord say to me, this is what I want you to share on Easter Sunday. Now, it's a long chapter, and we can't cover all the verses, but I, I would encourage you today on Easter Sunday, maybe go home today sometime and read through it, because it emphasizes the fact that Jesus lives, and because He lives when we die, we also will live. And so it's a perfect chapter on the resurrection. But what I kind of want to share with you today is four points that just jumped out at me when I was pondering this passage recently. Number one, the seeing, the seeing. Number two, the saving, the saving. Number three, the serving, the serving. And then number four, the sowing. And I'll explain each one as we go through. But, but let's begin uh, by reading here in our Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in verse 1, Paul says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved. And you might want to circle that word. I don't know if you're okay writing in your Bible, but you might want to circle that word or underline it in your phone. By which you are saved. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain... For I deliver to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried. That's Good Friday. And that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's today. That's Easter Sunday. And that He was seen. And you might want to circle the word seen, and we're going to see it four times in the next four verses. That He was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, He was seen by over five brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep, or, or it's a nice way of saying that some had died. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles, and then last of all, he was seen, Paul says, by me also, as by one born out of due time. And so I'd like to begin, first of all, with the seeing. We saw that there in verses 5 through 8. After Paul wrote of, wrote of the fact that Jesus had risen from the dead, he goes on to say that the resurrected Christ was seen uh, first by Cephas, also known as Peter, and, and then he was seen by the other apostles, and how one time he was seen by over 500 people at, at once. And so this sanctuary right here, this is about 500 people. So there was one time some sort of assembly, he was seen by all them, and then Paul says, as he wrote this 23 years after the resurrection, that some of those people that saw Jesus come alive are still alive. And so you have all these witnesses. In verse 7, Jesus was seen by his brother James, who previously was not a believer. That made him a believer. And then he was seen by Paul, formerly known as Saul. And a lot of you know that at one time he was the number one enemy, but then eventually he became the number one friend. How did that happen? And the answer is that he saw the risen Lord. How do we know Jesus is alive? Well, they saw him. And that's Paul's point here in 1 Corinthians. Before all this, you know, Peter denied. Thomas died. The apostles deserted. But they became believers even to the point of dying for their faith because they saw the risen Lord. 
You know, some say they lied, but there's no way because, you know, it's one thing to die for a lie if you know, if you, if you don't know it's a lie. That happens sometimes. But no one would be willing to die for a lie if they knew it was a lie. But these guys were willing to die a martyr's death and suffer to the point of execution because they were not lying. What we have right here, they're not lie witnesses. They're eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as Paul is laying out the evidence, he's brilliant because he knows that if you're a jury listening to the testimony, you want to hear from more than just the followers of Christ. And so he mentions a couple of men who were not believers prior to Jesus' death. James, his brother, and Paul, the persecutor. Prior to Jesus' death, Jesus' brothers did not believe in him. We read that in John chapter 7, verse 5. But then as you continue to read the Bible in Galatians 6, 5, in Acts chapter 15, you find that James not only became a believer, he became a leader, he became a pillar in the church, he actually became the pastor in Jerusalem. How did that happen? How did this man who at one time was not a believer, how did he become a leader in the church? And the answer is that he saw the risen Lord. And then there's Paul. And this is probably our star witness when you're presenting your case, you know. And I know this almost sounds sacrilegious to say, but the truth is for Paul to get saved would be the equivalent of Adolf Hitler joining the Jews, fighting not against them, but for them. And you wonder, how could that possibly, how could that ever happen? And the answer is that he saw the risen Lord. And what we're reading right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, what Paul is saying is we have the most powerful evidence of all that Jesus is alive because we have eyewitnesses. You know, last year we went to Israel. Lord willing, we're going to go again in 2020. And it, we, we, we visited the empty tomb. And there's a strong evidence that it is the very empty tomb that Jesus was placed in because it's uh, surrounded by a beautiful garden and the Bible does describe Jesus being placed in, in the tomb of a wealthy man. And, and the thing about this tomb is that there is no trace of any DNA evidence of a body ever being laid there in that grave. And so you wonder why. Why was a body never laid there? And the answer is because when Jesus was put there and he rose from the grave, it was considered from that point forward too sacred to ever use for that purpose. And so you begin to look at the evidence. You begin to look at the empty tomb. You begin to study archaeology. You begin to study history like Simon Greenleaf did, who was the uh, dean of law at Harvard University. He was the man who wrote the evidence for, uh, he wrote the book for evidence admissible in the court of law. He was an atheist. And his students uh, challenged him to examine the evidence for the resurrection. And so he figured, okay, I'll do it, I'll research it, I'll write a book, and I'll tell these Christians how crazy they are. And he went, he researched the evidence, and in the process, Simon Greenleaf became a Christian. Because the evidence is overwhelming that Jesus Christ is alive. And we see that here in the seeing, which leads secondly to the saving. And we saw that in verses 1 through 4. Now, now, part of the reason that this chapter is acknowledged as one of the greatest chapters in the Bible 
is not only the way it emphasizes the resurrection, but also because of the way it is such a clear articulation of the gospel. You know, what exactly is the gospel? Well, we know literally it means good news. And the Greek word translated gospel is actually transliterated into our English word evangelist. And so the evangelist preaches the message of salvation, which is a message of good news today, that that God loves you, that he wants you to have life today and that abundantly, and that he wants you to have a home in heaven with him eternally. You know, and that's the good news. That's the gospel. No matter who you are, what you've done, what you've gone through in life. I don't know what's been happening in your life. I pray you would know today the good news that God loves you. You know, maybe you're here this morning and you were put down when you were younger by a parent or a sibling or a friend. And those words, they kind of got to you and crippled you. And we really have no concept of how valuable you are to God. Or maybe you were deeply hurt somewhere along the line by someone you loved and trusted and you're just kind of doing your best, you know, to limp through life. But the truth is, you're sitting here today with a broken heart. You know, maybe something tragic has hit you along the way circumstantially, emotionally, mentally, physically, and you find yourself anxious and rebellious and and stressed or depressed and you lack that peace. And you feel like maybe today you're here and you feel like, you know what, in all reality I have no real purpose in life, no real reason to live. That's why we're here. That's why God brought you here today. If that's you, understand the good news of the gospel is that he loves you. Is that he loves you no matter who you are. Throughout the Bible it's true that that God loves you. And because of that fact... We read here the gospel. Notice again in verse 3, For I deliver to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. See, the good news is that God loves you, and that's why he died for you. You see, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? You guys all know that you've sinned, right? I mean, have you ever lied? How many of you here have lied? Raise your hand. If you didn't raise your hand, you're lying in the process, man. So you just sinned right now, right? And so, you know, we've all sinned, and the truth is our sins separate us from a holy, holy, holy God. That's what our sins do to us. And so the Bible says the wages of sin is death. If you die in your sins, then you're, you'll die eternally. That's what sin does, right? And so, you know, what we read right here is that Jesus died for our sins. He, he died for them. They were all laid on him. All the crack you ever smoked, the heroin you shot up, the arrogance, uh, the violence, the pride in our stride, the anger, the lust, the self-righteousness, the morality without Christ, the profanity, the vanity, the drunkenness. Every time we miss the mark All our sins, they were all laid on him. And he suffered the judgment that we deserve. He paid the price we could never pay. He died the death that we all deserve. And then he was buried. But you guys know, right, what this day is all about, right? It's not about the bunny. It's not about the colored eggs we hide and find. I mean, those things are cool. I mean, having fun. 
getting together with the family, that's fine. But we know that's not what this day is all about. This day is all about the fact that although he was buried, he rose from the grave, right? And in doing so, he validated every word that he ever verbalized, proving every claim he ever made and showing us beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is unparalleled in human history. You know, when the Jews ask for a sign, they're saying, okay, you're making some radical claims. You're telling me that you can wash away my sins. You're telling me that you're the way to the Father, that you're the way to heaven, that you're the way of love, that you're the way of grace, that you're the way of forgiveness. These are some radical claims that you're making. And so the Jews said, then show us a sign to prove to us who you are. And Jesus gave two visuals. There were really primarily two visuals. Number one, the temple. And number two, the great fish. And Jesus said, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it again. In John chapter 2. But the temple he was referring to was his body. He said, I'll die, and I'll rise it again. And that'll be the sign to prove to everyone who I am. And then he said, the fish. And there was the great fish, you guys remember, that swallowed Jonah. And he said, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale or the fish... So the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And then the day will come and he'll rise from the grave, proving who he is because no one else has ever done this. You know, no offense, you guys, but Muhammad died and did not come back to life. Neither did Buddha or Krishna or Darwin or Einstein or Houdini. He said, I'll be back. No, he stayed dead, right? But Jesus Christ died and came back to life. He conquered the coffin. He gutted the grave. He defeated death. And in the process, we see what he's doing that for is he's doing this to save us. You see, the good news of the gospel is that he paid the price. He did all the hard work by shedding his blood. And that's not all the good news. It continues with the fact that in order for us to cash in on this cleansing, all we need to do is believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You see, that's, the, that's why this chapter is so important because it's a presentation of the resurrection, but then it's this presentation of salvation that is so clear. The gospel is so clear here. And, and it's interesting, the three elements that are mentioned in verses 1 and 2 Notice there again, if you would, look at verse 1. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, that's number 1, in which you stand, that's number 2, by which also you are saved if you hold fast, that's number 3, the word. And so today, as you're here, and I don't really know what's going on in your life, maybe you're struggling, you know, maybe someone invited you, maybe uh, for some, you know, you you do it every once in a while, maybe once a year, you figure, well, it's Easter, you know, I'll dress up and I'll go to church and things like that. Listen, you know, God wants to do something uh, so amazing in your life. God wants to get you ready for eternity, you know, I don't know what's been going on on planet Earth for you. Maybe you've been struggling. Maybe you don't want to live anymore. Maybe you're addicted to drugs. Maybe you're caught up in you know, sexual sin. I don't know, pornography. You know, the things that we struggle with when we don't know the Lord. 
But I do know this, that no matter who you are, what you've gone through, God wants to save you today. And you're wondering, well, how can I do this? Well, you just hear the gospel. He died for you. He rose again. And if you receive it, that's what he's saying right there. You receive it. Open up your heart and let the Lord do that work in your life. He says, receive it, then stand in it. That's it. You just stand. This is my position in Christ. And then you hold fast to it until the day you die, until the day you see him in glory. And what we find is that as, that, as you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, then you will be saved. You will be saved from your sins. Just like we read in Matthew one twenty one, it says, And she will bring forth the Son, and she shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And when, you know, I gave my life to the Lord back in 1989, I was addicted to drugs. I had a, a, a mouth, I cussed like a sailor. You know, I, I read my Bible, I went to church, but it, for me, it was just a religion. It wasn't a relationship. But that day, man, that I gave my life to Christ, God came in. You know, God flooded me with his love. God changed me. God gave me a, a new direction, a new purpose in life. And that's what he wants to do for you today. I mean, you know where you're at. Some of you here, you know you got one foot in and one foot out. you got a half heart for God. Listen, that's not what he wants. He wants all of you because he wants to give you all the blessings he has for you. He wants to save you from the power of sin, from the penalty of sin, which is hell, and then one day from the presence of sin, that when you die, and none of us know when. I mean, I was just devastated today to open up the news and find out that this church, uh, churches actually, numbers, hundreds of people in Sri Lanka died in their Easter service because of these guys that went in with bombs on their bodies. You know, I'm not to freak anybody out, but listen, you don't have, we don't have tomorrow guarantee. And we have to make sure that we know the Lord. And when you know the Lord, then he saves you from the power of sin and, and then the penalty of sin. And then one day the presence of sin. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. And one day we'll be home in glory. Well, there'll be no more sickness, no more suffering, no more devil, no more death. That's what Jesus Christ wants to do for you today. And it's not a difficult thing on your end. All we have to do is receive it, believe it, walk in it, you know, jump for joy. Salvation, receive that today, man. You young people, man, we're so excited about your future and what God wants to do in your life. But if you've got one foot in and one foot out, if you're not really following the Lord wholeheartedly, then you're letting the enemy rip you off. Man, God wants to blow your minds with the things that he wants to do in your life. You're the future. You're the next generation. You have to rise up and walk in the power of God. This is the salvation that he promises. And all we have to do is receive the word. Hold fast this message Stand in it. You know, I have a funny story to share with you. And please don't take it literally, okay? But uh, I read this story, I guess after a long illness, a woman died and arrived at the gates of heaven. And while she was waiting, she peeked through the gates and she saw a beautiful banquet table. Sitting all around the table were her parents and all the other people she had loved and who had died before her. And so they saw her, and they ran to the gates, and they said, Hi, how are you? We've been waiting for you. So good to see you. And so when the angel saw the woman coming to the gate, 
as she said to the angel, this is such a wonderful place, how do I get in? And the angel said, you just have to spell a word. And she said, what word? And the angel said, love. And the woman said, praise God. And she correctly spelled the word love, L-O-V-E, and, and she was welcomed into heaven. But I, I guess about six months later, the angel came to the woman and asked her to watch the gates of heaven for him that day. And while the woman was guarding the gates of heaven, her husband arrived. And so uh, she said, I'm surprised to see you. How have you been? And, and the husband said, I've been doing pretty well since you died. I, I married the beautiful young nurse who took care of you while you were ill. And then I won the lottery. I sold the little house you and I lived in, and I bought a mansion. And my wife and I, we've been traveling all around the world, and we were on vacation. I went water skiing today. I fell and hit my head, and this is how I'm here. And so how do I get in? And the woman said, well, all you have to do is spell a word. And, and he said, what word? And she said, Czechoslovakia. <laughs> and I was thinking about that, and I'm like, praise God, because I still don't know how to spell Czechoslovakia. But aren't you glad you don't have to spell a word? All you have to do is believe the word. That's why it's good news. That's why religious people, they stumble over it. No, there has to be some type of ceremony or sacrament involved. No, that's why the educational people, they stumble over it. It's too easy. It seems foolish to me. And they're too, you know, spiritual or too educational. And Jesus said, listen, if you want life, if you want love, if you want forgiveness, if you want freedom, if you want heaven and not hell, all you have to do is receive. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And today, you will be saved. I'll never forget the day I saved and God came into my life. Man, the joy that He gives to us, the way that He lifts the burden off of our back. That's what this day is all about. And we celebrate that with such joy. We see the, the seeing and then the saving, and we'll come back to that but then, real quick, I want to mention the serving. Look at verse 9 in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul says, For I am the least of the apostles, and not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach and so you believe. Now, just a real quick side note on this. I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but as you're going through this chapter and you're reading through it, you're going to notice how Paul weaves into this chapter about the resurrection, the whole uh, the concept of ministry and serving. And the reason is, is because one day we will all die and we need to be saved, and one day all the people will die, and they need to be saved. And so we need to be serving. You know, because of the fact that there's a heaven and hell, we need to make sure we're going to heaven, and then we need to take as many people with us as we can. It's all, this is what it's all about, heaven, hell, resurrection of Christ, and therefore my resurrection as well. So much so that when you go to the end of this chapter, look at the very last verse. In verse 58, Paul says, Therefore... He concludes this chapter on salvation and resurrection with, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, 
knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And and in looking at this chapter, and there's another time here, Paul says, you know what, if this is not real, then why are we fighting with beasts? This whole chapter is about the resurrection, life after death. And so today, my prayer is that, you know, for those of you who need to come forward, rededicate your life, give your entire heart to God, get saved, then come forward. But if you're here today, even in the church, and you need to start serving, come forward. And by that I mean, you know, get busy about the Lord's business because that's how he concludes this chapter. You know, it's interesting to me when you read it real quick, you know, it's not that we're able or worthy. He says, it's by the grace of God, I am what I am. I'm an apostle, and it's by the grace of God, I do what I do. And here he is laboring more abundantly than they all. You'll never be worthy if you're waiting to get involved in ministry, if you're waiting to serve in the church because you think you're not good enough. Listen, you'll never be good enough. If you're a Christian, you should be serving Jesus Christ. And also he says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, I do what I do. He says, it's not I. It's not I. And then in verse 58, he says, it's not in vain. That's so beautiful to know as you're serving the Lord. You know, when you look at this here, Paul says, in the past, I labored more abundantly. But for us in the future, he says there, we are to abound in the work of the Lord. And so the the last portion as we close today in in verse 35, notice what he says. But someone will say, well, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? And he says, foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he pleases and to each seed its own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of animals, another of fish, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies, or heavenly, and terrestrial bodies that's earthly, but the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for one star differs from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so you go down to verse 54 and he says, So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal man has put on immortality... Then shall be brought to pass that saying which is written. Notice this. Death is swallowed up in victory. Imagine that. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And as you go through this chapter, it's packed with information about the resurrection, you know, and we see the the seeing, the way they saw the risen Lord, and we know he's alive. And then 
you know, the saving. And that's what God wants to do today if you don't know Christ. And then the serving. If you're a church member, you should be involved in ministry. But then the last thing is, is the sowing. And here's where at the end of the day, we got to get down to the nitty gritty that one day we will die. One day we will die. Unless we get raptured, we all will die and our bodies will be laid to rest. I've been to many funerals. I'm sure you've been to many funerals when they lay that body in the ground, buried there. And what Paul says here at this point, and really if we're going to capture this chapter, what he's saying is that Christ's resurrection leads to our resurrection. Jesus said in John 14, 19, because I live, you will live also. And he's talking about those who have received, those who have believed, those who have chosen to follow him, those who are not ashamed, those who are not vacillating, those who are not just religious, those who are truly born again. He says, because I live, you will live also. We're not talking about the fact that he you know, it just rose in glory. We're now talking about the fact that we can rise in glory. And so Paul, at this time, he wants us to think about that. Think about that. You know, there is a great passage in First John chapter 3, verse 2. It says, Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. We don't know all the details of what heaven's going to be like. We don't know all the details of what our bodies are going to be like. He says, it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he appears, when he's revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And I mean, this is not just about the day Jesus rose. This is about the day that we will rise. And when we're there, we don't know all about our bodies and all the details of it, but we do know it's going to be a body like His. Remember when Jesus rose from the grave? It's interesting. You know, two-thirds of Americans, they believe that when we go to heaven that we're just going to have like these disembodied spirits. No, Jesus had a body. You know, He said, I have a body. He talked about it in Luke 24, verse 39. You guys know Jesus ate food, right? with his resurrected body. So we're going to be grubbing in heaven. You guys know that, right? The place where pizza's good for you. That's the way I think of when I think of paradise, you know. But we're going to have this body that can eat. Uh, we're going to have these bodies, uh, you know, like Jesus who appeared in places. And I don't know exactly how it's going to work. But well, what he's trying to say right here is we're going to be like him. It's going to be glorious. If you're wondering how long, he says it's going to be eternal. And something that's interesting right here is he says it's going to be you. Look at verse 38 real quick. 1 Corinthians 15 in verse 38. But God gives it a body as he pleases and to each seed its own body. And what he's talking about right there in in the, the Greek language is that in the seed, and you guys know each seed has its own DNA, right? Its own makeup. And when you put a seed in the ground... It dies, so to speak, but then it, it rises in glory, right? And, but it's not the same as it, as it was when it went into the ground. Just like us, you know, it's not going to be the same, but it'll still be you. When we go, when we're home in heaven, we're, we're going to see our loved ones, and it will still be them, but they'll be glorified, you know? 
I was thinking about like a, a sunflower seeds. Any of you guys ever eat sunflower seeds? You ever eat them to keep you awake while you're driving? It's a great thing to do. And I was asking my wife about this. I'm all, is a sunflower seed a sunflower seed? And she's like, well, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, you know, the sunflowers. I think we have a picture of a sunflower here. Look at how beautiful that is, right? Don't you think? The guys are like, ah, it's okay. The girls are all beautiful. Uh, I think it's beautiful, man. I really do. You know, but that sunflower there previously was this kind of seed that wasn't maybe as impressive, but, it, but it's still the same DNA. And, and when I go to heaven, and even though my wife and I aren't going to be married in, in heaven, you know, um, she'll, she'll be Shelly. She'll be, you know, the one that I spent my life with. When I, and when I see my kids in heaven, it's going to be them. It'll be our family. We'll be reconciled. When we look at the seed that's planted in the ground, that DNA is there and it's up and, it, and it's glorified. It will be glorious. It will be eternal and it will be you, right? You know, I, I know it's hard, man, you know, because we live in this world and, and, and we want things now, you know. There's a passage in the book of Psalms, chapter 27 and verse 13. It says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You know, I said I would have lost heart. I would have given up unless I was thoroughly convinced that one day I was going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I used to think that that meant that I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord here, that, that, I, that, that I would never give up on life because I know God's going to show it to me here. But then, you know, the Lord opened up that scripture to me and, and, he, and he taught me, listen, this is not the land of the living. This is the land of the dying. That's the land of the living. And when you're a Christian, when that seed goes into the ground and dies... What we're talking about right here is that God gives us the capacity to rise again. If you place your faith in Jesus Christ, then you will have life. You will have peace. You will have joy. You will have forgiveness. You will have freedom. The burden will be lifted. The life will start. God will do a work. But you must make that choice. You know, last year, uh, it was this man, crazy to think of, our dear brother Steve Alcala. I remember him right there. You know, he was an usher and he was serving. But that day he went home and he fell and he died. And, and, and you know, it just devastated us to think such a wonderful man. You know, um, this guy, you know, made moose for me and my wife. He made me chorizo con papas. I mean, this guy... He really loved me. I mean, he really did. And he died. But I know where he is. He's in glory. You want to know the thing about him that is a lesson for us today? Is that he was ready. He was ready. Are you ready? Are you ready? If you're not ready, then I pray that today you don't take a chance Today that you come forward and you receive Jesus Christ. Today you come forward and you renew that commitment. Today you come to that place where God shows you his love. Maybe you're here and you're struggling and it's been difficult lately. 
And I know why. It's because Christ is knocking on your heart and he wants to come in. But he won't force himself upon you. You have to open up your heart and you have to let him in. You today, in coming forward to Christ and starting this walk with him, you must know that you need him. Are you here today and you know that you need him? And then secondly, you must realize that he's all you need. That he's all you need. That if you come forward and you give your life to Christ, he will save you. He will come into your life and he will give you power. And he will raise you from the dead. And he will lift you and take you all the way to heaven.